the farm doesn't always come first. And like I've said, farm work will always be there. But you might not be there to do it unless you take care of yourself. Welcome to the 307th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, regenerative agriculture, community food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. During the fall of 2021, Melissa Driscoll was building a greenhouse on her southeastern Minnesota farm when she had an epiphany. If she didn't take care of her body, that body wouldn't be able to take care of the farm. It turned out going up and down the ladder all day was trashing her knees, to the point that in order to climb the stairs in her house at the end of the day, she was forced to crawl on all fours. These days, before she steps foot on the seven-acre operation, Melissa spends time every morning doing knee exercises. It may mean getting out in the garden plots a little later, but she believes it's worth it if she's to continue farming in the future. The farmer credits the holistic management training she received through LSP's Farm Beginnings and Journey Person courses with providing the ability to step back and figure out how to make her operation sustainable in the long run. This is important, given that Melissa, who's in her mid-50s, has only one seasonal part-time employee. Holistic management focuses on big-picture, decision-making, and goal-setting processes. Over the years, this management system has helped farmers of all types achieve a triple bottom line of sustainable economic, environmental, and social benefits. In a holistic management system, A farmer's quality of life is put on the same level as the health of the soil or the operation's economic viability. LSP's Farm Beginnings Program has made holistic management training a significant component of its annual classes. Farm Beginnings is a 12-month training session that helps students clarify their goals and strengths, establish a strong enterprise plan, and start building their operation. Farm Beginnings focuses on the business management skills of farming, and the course uses a mix of farmer-led classroom sessions, on-farm tours, and an extensive farmer network. Melissa, along with her husband Jay, graduated from Farm Beginnings in 2009, a year before they bought their farm near Kenyon. Half a dozen years ago, the couple took LSP's Journey Person course, which is designed to support people who have several years of managing their own farm under their belt and are working to take their operation to the next level. Through advanced farm business planning and a mentorship, as well as guidance on balancing farm, family, and personal needs, Journey person participants find ways to make their farms truly and deeply successful in the long term. Like Farm Beginnings, this course focuses on using holistic management as a tool. These days, Melissa is one busy farmer. She raises eggs, as well as garlic, heirloom tomatoes, and herbs. She also produces a popular jarred garlic scape pesto, which is sold in area co-ops and health food stores. But perhaps her Seven Songs Organic Farm is best known for the ginger it produces. Customers include food co-ops and distributors such as Co-op Partners Warehouse, as well as specialty businesses that make products such as teas and kimchi. Selling such a wide variety of products to various customers can be stressful. But, like her physical well-being, Melissa has taken an approach to marketing that she feels keeps her life financially and emotionally stable. Customers order her eggs ahead of time and her other products are produced under contracts that Seven Songs Farm draws up every winter before the growing season. Melissa says this approach allows her to find a home for what she raises before planting a single seed or figuring out how many eggs she needs her chickens to lay. She can then spend the growing season doing what she loves doing best, 
farming. I recently visited Seven Songs, and Melissa showed me her hoop houses, greenhouse, garden plots, animal welfare-approved egg enterprise, and packing shed. Afterwards, she chatted with me about how Journey Person helped her and Jay refocus their farm and their personal life while weeding out weak links. She also made it clear that a truly regenerative management system must be based on the idea that the farm doesn't always come first. So Melissa, we were talking a little bit about your um, experience with farm beginnings and kind of what led you to that and you're getting your farm established here. You're now, see this, I think your 12th year on this farm, on Seven Songs Farm here near Kenyon. One of the things you talked about was after you had gotten the farm established and had farmed for a few years and kind of were learning some of the lessons and, and figuring out maybe getting more of a better idea what direction you wanted to focus on, you then took Journey Person. And I think a lot of people aren't aware of Journey Person and kind of what its purpose is. I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about why you took Journey Person and maybe what you got out of that that maybe you didn't get out of Farm Beginnings and why it sounds like maybe it was good timing for you as far as where you're at in your farming career. I think we were maybe six years in. And I decided I wanted to take Journey Person. You know, there a lot of energy had been spent early in the farm, and you have that initial just enthusiasm and excitement about owning land and doing whatever you want. And I kind of thought I could do it all, and my body could last forever, and, <laughs> you know, marriage would last forever, <laughs> all those kind of things. Right. But I started feeling like I need to focus a little more, or I need to hear how other people are doing things. I mean, I would go to field days, uh, although a lot of field days end up being kind of about the beginning, it feels like. They don't, not a lot of field days, at least the ones I was going to were about, you know, we're 10 years down the road and we're really struggling with this, you know. It was more like, let's show all the great stuff. I, I felt like Journey Person helped refocus I and Jay and I, as a couple, uh, I'm more the farming person, and I, he does support when I ask him, and he, he's very supportive, but I'm the main person. But I wanted him to come along because I we live here together. Uh, it's not his dream, but it's mine, and we need to communicate about you know what's happening and how we want things to go and what I want to do compared to what he wants to do. And it was almost like marriage counseling in a way, couples counseling, it wouldn't have to be married. But, you know, what are our roles? Uh, what do we enjoy? And I felt like I heard a lot of other uh, partners exploring their roles and talking about their struggles. And it helps helped us feel not alone. And, you know, we could give some guidance to other people about certain aspects, but they could also give us guidance. And it was a lot more about roles on the farm and communication. It was a lot about how to communicate when you're stressed out or when you don't have enough energy for everything. And um, I just felt like it was really important to explore that with other people. And there were some pretty experienced farmers who'd gone through a lot of ups and downs who also had some a little bit of kind of therapy background who could say here's what I used to think and then I started examining my own feelings in my own life and being able to communicate with my partner better and now I think in a different way about this and I do more self-care and I realize 
I need to take care of my needs, my personal needs, and my family's needs, if I have little kids or whatever, and not always have that go to the, the last, you know. The farm doesn't always come first. And like I've said, farm work will always be there, but you might not be there to do it unless you take care of yourself. I think that's a super good, good point in that often when you get into farming, you're a little idealistic, but you also have tons of energy and brute force and muscle, and you go out there and you just think, well, I'll just work harder to get over these problems. And it takes a few years to realize, yeah, um, getting up earlier and working 14-hour days is not the ultimate answer for everything, you, and especially if you're in a relationship and you know, trying to think about the sustainability of a family on the farm and all of that, that you do need to you need, after a few years maybe, to step back and go, okay, how can we, we've gotten through this, the hardest stuff, it's almost like, you know, breaking new ground, uh, that kind of thing. Now, how do we make this something that can last into the future a little bit? Yeah, I agree. And just, uh, yeah, I think being able to look, uh, the big thing I took away, one of the other big things I took away was each enterprise what is the weak link in that enterprise? And I mean, you could decide, oh, that enterprise has so many weak links, I just don't want to do it anymore. Or I love that enterprise, but my partner absolutely hates it, you know. So that doesn't mean you're going to stop doing it, but that's something to talk about. Like, why do they absolutely hate it? Is it, is it something that you can work through, or do you just stop doing that? I know my neighbors had pigs for many years. They're conventional corn and soybeans, but they had pigs for many years. But I think their quality of life with pigs wasn't what they wanted it to be, and they row cropping had the quality of life they wanted. And so even though uh, my neighbor says he loves the pigs, together they didn't love pigs. <laughs> And you, I think you've got quite a bit of experience. You had taken holistic management before you took, I think, even took Farm Beginnings. So yeah. you have experience with that. But I think Journey Person also emphasizes that holistic ideal, which is putting things that, not putting certain things in a hierarchy, but putting, say, quality of life at the same level as maybe environmental sustainability as and economic sustainability, uh, yes. all those things at the same level. And it must have been a good reminder that that's, yeah, this, and again, it's not going to be good in the long term unless you can kind of put those things at the same level as a reminder a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, just this last fall, I was doing a lot of ladder work, and I really injured my knees, and I just realized I have to, you know, this is the kind of thing you learn a journey person, like, I need to take care of my body better if I want to keep farming. So that means spending every single day doing some focused breathing and doing some focused stretching and not skipping, really, like just trying to really get that done. And it's hard. That means I start farming often at 10 a.m. You know, I start really getting into a project later than I would have in the past. But that means I'm still doing those projects. I'm not so debilitated. So I feel like... You know, sometimes for me, it's like listening to podcasts of other farmers has helped. Also going to classes like both uh, Farm Beginnings and Journey Person. And then trying to stay in touch with those same people and, you know, even talking about our failures and our experiences that were hard. And then saying, oh, I'm not the only one with hard experiences. I need to adapt. You know, I need to 
what do I need to do to adapt and try to survive through this if I want to keep farming? Yeah, and sometimes it's some pretty hard decisions. I know one th thing you pointed out was you had raspberries, yep. which are a, they're not an annual, they're a perennial. You, <laughs> the, you, you put a lot of effort in getting them established, and then when they get going, that's great. But then you had some issues with it, and you had to make some hard decisions about those. Yeah, so I had raspberries in half of a, my bigger hoop house, and... Uh, loved raspberries, and people loved to buy raspberries, but then the spotted wing drosophila came along, and I still was able to pick the raspberries very clean and uh, kind of deal with the spotted wing drosophila for a while. And then I realized, you know, I'm not making as much money in this expensive hoop house space, you know, expensive to create a hoop house, than I could with some other things. So that's what made me adapt and just rip out all the raspberries and I mean they 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 weren't new I mean they had been there maybe seven or eight years by the time I ripped them out but now I feel like um, it's much more profitable to have tomatoes and ginger and a little bit of lettuce in there switching places every year it just is working better for my business well, and that brings up something else you talked a little bit about kind of dovetailing with that is you've learned so you had You've done farmers markets a little bit. You've done tried different marketing things. You've in recent years focused more on. You have I don't know, I don't know half a dozen or, or maybe seven or eight main customers that you're dealing with, and you have them sign contracts. You have contracts set up with them, and that's helped you. It sounds like when you're planning in the winter, what you're going to plant, how much you're going to plant, and all that you can look at that contract and go, okay, this is how much I'm going to raise. But then it also lets you focus more on, this is, you've learned by this time what grows well here, what you... What, what I like to grow. What you like to grow, yeah. the labor and all that. That, that, that. that sounds like that's been a really important way of, again, making this farm sustainable in the long term, maybe long after your, your, your work ethic wears, wears a little thinner. <laughs> right. For me, I mean, I enjoy farmer's market, what I didn't enjoy was going really early to farmer's market, picking all this stuff, and then having it rain at farmer's market and bringing all that stuff home, and then not, it didn't have a home then. It was like, oh, now it all goes to the compost, or I'm kind of scrambling to find a home for it. The way I think of the way I farm now is mostly on contract is everything already has a home. Like I negotiate the home for that produce in the wintertime and then I'm doing the things throughout the rest of the year to get that produce home. So I'm planting the seed, growing the plant, picking whatever fruit of that plant or digging it or whatever. And then it's finally going to the, the place I've agreed upon with right. the people at the price we agreed upon, at the time we agreed upon. And yes, there are times where there's a crop failure and I just need to tell, it's in the contract, I need to tell the person, the buyer, as soon as possible, as soon as I know there's an issue, talk to them. Because there is, there is uh, flexibility in my contract for there to be a problem with that. But mostly, it just works out so well to know that what I'm growing already has a home. Um, and I, initially, I grew many things, just speculating someone would want to buy it. Oh, maybe someone would want this. And I grew a lot of lettuce and bok choy and spinach that just rotted or went to seed or, you know, it didn't have a home. And I 
kind of farming by myself, it's nice for me to negotiate these contracts in the winter. In the summer, I'm focusing on farming. I already know the buyer. Yeah. I've already figured that out. Now that you have, you took Farm Beginnings and you took Journey Person and you're, uh, you know, you, you're kind of, sounds like you're kind of getting into the mode of the business model that you're going to be following, at least for now anyway. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for somebody who is uh, just maybe thinking about farming and, um, I don't know, is looking at, there's a lot of different things you can do out there when you have a lot of energy and, and all that. And, and But I don't know, any advice to somebody on how to kind of make it more of a sustainable lifestyle and, and, and career kind of thing? I mean, anything that's just kind of pops into your head? I guess one of the things that pops into my head is I really love the farm business management program. So I've been with my farm business management instructor for the whole, whatever, 11, 12 years I've been here. That's a program through the community colleges in Minnesota where you run your business. And it is a if, if you want to run it as a business, which I did, I wanted to make money. That was my goal. It's not everybody's goal, but it's my goal. Uh, this person who's an instructor comes to your farm, uses your numbers to train you about business management. And I ended up with a farm business management degree even, which it's like after six years in it, you just end up with a degree. You know, the longevity of being with this person, it's like, you know, your right-hand person. I don't have... I don't have a partner, and we talk about money in my business all the time, so to have this person who understands the money end of my business and who works with 60 other farmers, who goes through this with other farmers all the time, she, she has really good ideas about how to get over a cash crunch or mm-hmm. how to think through a problem, and it's not that she has all sustainable farmers. She's got a lot of just corn and soybeans or... Um, you know, commercial farmers, but still you're thinking through an agricultural problem or a family problem or a cash flow crunch problem. And that's been huge. You know, it's not an LSP side of it, but it's a side of it that has been really important to go with the LSP classes I've taken is farm business management. And I just feel like it's really good to have that cadre of people that you've taken farm beginnings with or journey person with I'm also part of the sustainable farming association and I get a lot of kudos from the different events they hold Um, we have a local social so the farmers meet once a month and just hang out and drink beers and talk you know and that that's how I get information about you know I'm having a problem on my farm oh, turns out five other people in this area are having the same problem, but I didn't know because it's like a problem that's a little bit secret. It's like, oh, we don't want to tell everybody we're having this problem, but we might chit-chat with each other. Suddenly I'm gaining some really important knowledge because there's some other people I know that farm like me nearby or even in a neighboring state. We're sharing information because we built that trust by being in the class together. And especially... I would say definitely from beginnings, you're building that trust, but almost more in journey person because a lot of people, by the time they've gotten five years into their um, farm enterprise, they're really reaching some like stress points, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I decide to do vegetables and I'm doing a small dairy and my life is so insane that I'm starting to hate myself and my partner, you know? 
and my children. I hate them all. And it's like, but I don't really want to hate them all. And it's like, once you've talked about some intense stuff together, then, I don't know, there's a feeling like you can trust that person. It, they created a safe space where um, you can talk about farming issues. And, you know, there's a lot of stress in farming, mm -hmm. and um, it's good to have a safe space where you can talk about farming issues. So. Yeah, that's really good to hear. That networking is so key because you could get the best education you could yeah. get maybe the best farm good soil whatever good some good infrastructure right. but then you're throwing out there and every it's been proven time and again whenever somebody starts a new endeavor it's those first three or four or five years when it's really going to make or break you mm -hmm. and so you need somebody to kind of come back and check check in with yeah you know I started farming out here in 2010, and in 2012, my mom died. And wow. I remember that year, uh, everything was became weeds. I mean, I, of course, I went and spent time with my dying mom, mm -hmm. you know. You have to get through things like that. You need, you know, you have to say, it's okay. Yes, I yeah. judge myself. I look at these weeds, and then I say, no, I do not judge myself because I went and spend time with my family member that I'm not going to be able to spend any more time with. So sometimes you just have to say, forget the farm. <laughs> i got to do some stuff that's really good for my emotional health, and the farm has to suffer a little bit so that I can come back to the farm and still do well, you right. know, it'll succeed. Always, it'll always be here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. For more information on LSP's Farm Beginnings and Journey Person courses, see the podcast page for Ear to the Ground episode 307 at landstewardshipproject.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-816-9342. By the way, it helps us greatly if you can give Ear to the Ground a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you utilize. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.